Hello, horror fans. It's Matt here. Thank you for coming back to listen to Death Bipod. Elizabeth and myself are incredibly grateful and we do hope you enjoy the episodes. Now, the majority of podcasters will tell you that their early episodes are a bit waff or at least not of the quality of later episodes. And whilst we're both very proud of all of our episodes, it does go about saying that in these early ones, we were very much finding our feet and our rhythm. So please bear that in mind. And we would recommend checking out our latest episodes first and then working backwards if you haven't done so already. Now, with that out of the way, enjoy this episode of Death by Pod. Morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in Transylvania or the world, and welcome to Death by Pod from my watch tonight. My name is Matt Hudson, and joining me is my spooktacular, simply splendid co-host, me, Bloggy Balboa. <laughs> yeah, she's the blogger of your dreams, guys. How are you doing? I'm <laughs> not too bad. How are you? I'm very well. Say, have you, you know, been keeping up with your hairdressing appointments recently? Um, yeah. Funny that you should mention that. I uh, I went to the hairdressers on the wrong day. Imagine that. The God, pandemonium. Can you imagine what your hairdresser would have said about that? I well, she she just looked at me like I was an idiot, to be honest, and said no. <laughs> she said, she had, Elizabeth have a Japanese hairdresser <laughs> by way of Warsaw. So it's good. It's good that we can open every show with like a, a bloggy mishap. So I quite yeah. enjoy that. It is. So I look, I look forward to you falling down a pothole or something next week, next month, or you know, something else happening. Something, something always happen with me, guaranteed. <laughs> and we'll always try to make light of it on the show. Well, I'm good. I'm glad you've been alright. Anything else decent happen? Or has it just been a kind of it's been alright since our last chat? Yeah, I've been. Oh, well, one thing that was a mishap is that I um I managed to sunburn the bottom half of my leg, so that it looks, looks like painful. I've got socks. You look like one of those lo- uh, lollies with the um, yeah. red at the bottom and the white in the yeah. middle. But you exactly. just didn't have hundreds of thousands in your groin. But you look like one of them lollies. Yeah, and I've been spending the like you know the subsequent week trying to even it out. But um, now that I've got sunburnt, the sun's gone away, and I can't. <laughs> I can't do anything about but, it. Oh, it did look painful, old trifle leg. So I did feel sorry for you on that. Yeah, my summer socks are in full force. <laughs> I haven't been sunburnt. I haven't had a haircut. I have had a haircut in the last month, but I, I don't have appointments. See, so I just I can just rock up and they sit me down. They give me a massage and they burn my ears. So um, yeah. I'm living the dream over here. But you got molested, you know. In context, <laughs> I had a massage from a Turkish hairdresser, but I didn't expect to get it. Um, so I had the full works. So I had the wet towel over my face, and then I suddenly felt my arms tingling as a as a big Turkish man was rubbing them thoroughly and uh, I got my fingers got massaged and started to feel a bit worried then and then I felt then I smelt the ominous smell of matches being lit <laughs> whilst I couldn't see yeah they burnt my nose hairs and my ear hairs and my sideburns all of which never had them in the first place but um, you don't yeah. have them now 
No, I didn't. So, no hope yeah. of them ever growing back either. So. <laughs> Yes, every time I go there now, I give him a special smile because of what he did to me. Um, but I don't, <laughs> but but I don't tell anyone smile. this. <laughs> he gives me a lolly, but I didn't want to tell anybody this. <laughs> oh, you're a good boy, so... Thanks, blogger. You're a good girl. We get on well. Uh, we, we, we do have fun. We do. What larks. What japes. So, <laughs> death by pod. We don't die on this show, thankfully, but we do die of having such a good time. So, hey. on these monthly... <laughs> On these monthly episodes, Elizabeth and myself, we pick one horror movie out of the billions out there and we basically just dive straight into it. And it's an excuse to turn out the lights, get some popcorn, throw it in the air and scare ourselves silly for once a month, as long as the film is good and scary. So for this second episode, we have a relatively new horror film from the last five, six years. So Bloggy, can you please reveal the title for this episode? I can. It is The Conjuring. Released. <laughs> that was really like late. What was that? Sorry. We do, well, you can do a drum roll for the release year. It was released in 2013. Directed by James Wan and starring Vera Farmiga, Patrick Wilson, Lily Taylor, and Ron Livingston, among others. <laughs> <laughs> so the doll was never possessed. No, no, it was used as a conduit. It was moved around to give the impression of possession. Demonic spirits don't possess things. They possess people. It wanted to get inside of you. Hey, wanna play hide and clap? Look what she made me do. Look what she made me do! There's someone else in there with her. I'm hearing another voice. Here, listen. Do you see it? There's someone behind the door. What? Second clap. You know what she did? She possessed the mother to kill the child. She won't let her leave the house. What do you mean? If we take her out, the witch will kill her. Damn you. You leave my family alone, you hear me? I don't know what you are, but you leave my wife alone! God damn it! Let her go! Roger! Give me the third clap. Ow! Bathsheba! By the power of God, I condemn you back to hell! Yeah, the country, and it was like well, five years old now. And um, as everybody who's listened to this probably knows, it's spawned one sequel, and another one is coming. The Conjuring 3 is coming. Okay. It's also spawned a spin off in Annabelle, yep. Annabelle Creation, The Nun, and Annabelle 3 has been released actually today at San Diego Comic Con, both of which we're not at. But this, uh, The Conjuring, I mean, this film was in, I guess, production hell for about 14 years. And nobody would take a punt on it until Warner Brothers basically finally took it on after the writer, I think producer was Tony DeRosa Grund. Grund. He um, did some rewrites and made the story more about the Warrens, uh, the very famous Ed and Lorraine Warren, the ghost hunters, who are played by Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson. Kind of made, made the film from their angle, got James Wan on board, and what was originally called the, the Warren Files was thankfully changed to something less crap into The Conjuring. So, um, it was a film 
which has been around for an awful long time. And I, I've said this, and I'm guilty of saying this so much, and I know it's proper cliche, but in hindsight, maybe it was a good thing that it was released after the 14 years, because in, in the last, what, well, five, six, seven years, I think horror has had a bit of an upswing in quality. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, um, yeah, if it had been released earlier, it's possible as well that they'd have tamed it down a lot. Because I read somewhere that they they wanted it to they wanted to cut it cut a lot of stuff down. They wanted to try really? and make it PG thirteen or something. And then I think they just they kind of said like we're never going to be able to make this suitable. We'll just put it as an R rated movie, and that's fine. And people still want to go see it. It made an awful lot of money. It made three hundred nineteen million dollars worldwide off a twenty million budget. So. I think the studio are fairly happy with that, and of course, when a studio yeah. sniffs money, they capitalise on it. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Having rewatched the film, I'm not sure where they could have cut anything out. Really, they put might other than a few things, but I mean, in terms of actual set pieces, I can't really think of anything they could have cut out to yeah. to give it that PG-13 rating. If it was made 15 years ago, 10 years ago, it would have been it probably would have been like I know what you did last summer, and have been a bit poo. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think as well. I mean, because like, there's no like nudity or you know sexiness in it. It's um, it's just purely scary, scary stuff. And it was so scary that it was rated R, which is brilliant. Love yeah, that. R for really scary. Yeah, R for really, really scary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're really, really scary. R for ruddy L. <laughs> R for ridiculous. How much I got scared. R for oh. <laughs> I can't beat that. <laughs> Let's just stop there now. I think that's it. We're done. I'm off. I've been bloggy Balbo. It's been good. Bye everyone. See you next month, guys. <laughs> da, 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 da. Uh, I told you we have fun. So in I mean Farmiga and Wilson obviously had a bit of fun with this role because they're bloody brilliant. But. Yeah. They also spent a lot of time with Lorraine Warren because sadly Ed Warren had passed away. I think he died in two thousand and six. So Lorraine Warren right. is the surviving Warren, and she kind of and she, I think they spent three days at her home, and Vera Farmiga especially was just watching everything she did. Lorraine Warren to try and get all of the mannerisms, the way she spoke, everything about her. So for her, for all for us, what we see on screen is a kind of it is as close as you can get to what the genuine Lorraine Warren looked like. So. Yeah. I like, I like the fact that they really kind of researched their roles to that extent. You know how on the last episode we kind of went on the IMDb pages of some people and had a bit of a lol? Well... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I went <laughs> on Ed and Lorraine Warren's website uh, yeah. and it is absolutely... Like, if you if you get a moment to go on there, it's so funny. It's like they, they took the website build from, you know, 1998 and just kind of put it, it's got music playing over the background. There's like, little, <laughs> there's little things falling down on the screen and it's all Ooh. like, yeah. And the music's all kind of like polyphonic spookiness. It sounds like they're just taking the piss out of themselves. It, well, that's what it looks like. It doesn't look like <laughs> they're serious about anything. It just looks like, you know, they, they, made this website one day and was like yeah that's that's really good this will get the kids involved this, in what yeah. we do. there's ghoulies <laughs> i too fun. looked at imdb for the actors and i can confirm that none of their headshots are their dead corpses no uh, they're all serious uh, actors aren't they a bit boring really, isn't it yeah never mind <laughs> we can jump into the film now because i know this film scared you basically <laughs> and I forgot, I, I rewatched this quite recently, i.e. last night, because I wanted it to be as fresh as possible. And 
I'll get into, like we always do in this show, we will go into the major plot points and kind of talk about the film in certain length. And then at the end, we really sort of give what we thought about it, nitpick or give praise where praise should be. But for now, we sort of get into the film. And I like how it started because it started some really sort of creepy ass music over the title scenes. And Annabelle's eye is the first shot. We find out that she's been moving around the house, apparently. She can be thrown in the junk and she's still coming back in. I liked the introduction to this film. I thought it set the scene early without being too tropey. Yeah, yeah, and no, I really liked it as well because I think it it delivers straight away on what you can expect from the film in terms of jumps and scares and everything. But then it kind of drifts back into, you know, this is based in fact, this really happened, which is which is pretty cool. I like it when films have an element of truth to them. It's obviously what you choose to believe is true. And it's not until about five, ten minutes into the film that they actually announce that this is based on a true story because some of the text appears introducing the Warrens and kind of what they're about. And then at the bottom, this is based on true events. I mean, how true they are depends on how spiritual you are and how much you believe a doll can move. Me, I like to believe it could happen because it makes it even scarier. <laughs> in that first instinct, instance, it really builds up the tension quite well. I mean, there's these th- girls who are, I guess they're uni girls or college girls, well, they live in a they live in a little apartment. One of the rooms has been absolutely trashed. There's a crayon that comes rolling out of nowhere. They put Annabelle in the trash outside. Little notes start appearing under the door. Doors start banging. It is a minor hell for these girls. But it never felt, I don't want to say cliche, but it never felt, you know, well, cliche or cardboard when I was watching that introduction to them. Yeah. I think mean, the bit that really gave me goosebumps is when they say that the doll, because they say that the, uh, you know, the doll was talking to them and she's a sad little girl and she wanted to go into the doll to be friends with them. And then they turn around and say, no, there was never a little girl. There's always That's been this, this demon thing. And when they say that, when I first watched it, I was like, <laughs> that was me straight <laughs> away. Like, oh my God. Bloggy shatter pants by the sound of it. So. Yeah, bloggy brown pants. Here we go. Um, the chatometer, bloggy chatometer, is well underway. Oh yeah. yeah. Ed and Ed and Lorraine are interviewing these girls, and that's how where the context comes from. Yeah, they say that they think that the girl inhibited the doll. You know that can't happen because it can only spirits in. They use it as a conduit to then get into the human body, yeah. which is just terrifying in itself. But they then go forward to nineteen seventy one, and the Perron family have moved into a pretty nice looking house, a bit dilapidated, a bit rough around the edges. But it's a nice looking farmhouse in the middle of nowhere, which sounds like a horror cliche, but isn't played as one. No, ne- definitely not. And I think that's um that's a bit of a trope of all of these movies is that it's it's usually in like a setting that's quite safe, but it's a new home, so it's the fear of the unknown. Like what's what's in this new house? And it, it, they kind of there's never any case of oh we need to call the neighbours shit we haven't got any or we're we're half an hour from civilization. It is. They don't kind of play on the fact that it may be off the beaten track somewhat. It's just a bloody big house because there's there's four kids, I think. To so there's yeah two yeah. adults, four kids. So there's six people, so it needs to be a big house anyway. And there's a dog called Sadie. Now she's got the right idea because she's not going in that house. She barks her ass off outside. Oh, but honestly though, you know, if you move into a new house and your dog doesn't want to go in, that's that's straight away. Even though I don't necessarily believe in ghosts, I would be like, mate, this is this is not a good sign. <laughs> After that, I'll get rid of the dog. But um, well, yeah, I've got a funny feeling the dog will be all right going forward. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm sure the dog will be fine in this movie. Nothing will happen to it. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, well, it's Roger. Roger Caron, the father. Ron Livingston. He pretty much sods the dog off, for want of a better term. He's like, okay, don't bother coming in. And later on, they just tie him outside. It's almost like, well, the dog will be fine out there. Don't worry about him. Well, yeah, he, he wants to get his end away, though, isn't it? He's like, oh, the dog will be fine. Is it too late to christen the new house? That's right. Ew, the parents he have is. new house sex. He's cock yeah. a Sadie down there. <laughs> yeah, stop barking. I can't get up. You're restricting the blood flow. <laughs> it, it's, but it's true, though, because he's like, the dog's bark is like, yeah, well, don't you want to christen the old the house? And the, and the woman's like, I thought you were tired. And he's like, nah, no. doesn't matter about that. I guess, you know, got to get your end away at some point. Got to get an inch, but... Before that, I've got to say, they, the, uh, there's a brilliant use of Time of the Season by the Zombies, which if, you haven't, if anybody hasn't checked out the Zombies, Odyssey and Oracle album, do it. It's from the sixth season. It's bloody good. But it plays over a scene of the family unpacking. So I guess that's kind of like your cliche scene. Oh, look, the family's unpacking and everyone's having a great time. Yeah. It is a stunning, for me, tracking shot. It's just one shot that follows yes. each member of the family around the house. And it's so well done. It is really well done. It is really well done. I'm glad you brought that up. I love, I love continuous tracking shots because you have to think about like the time that it probably, how many times they, they muffed it up. Well, they might, they may not have done. I'm just, they, the actors were probably very professional. They probably did it all in one take. I'd like to think they did, but if you, uh, I was, cause I was watching it looking for the kind of moments where it passed through a wall and it got shaded out. So where they could have like a clever cut mm. if they, if they it up, but it all looked like one continuous shot. And there's a few of those in this, film and one thing i will say to start with is the film is shot very well yeah it's really shot like so well james one's really really good at that anyway i think um he's a pretty he's proper one for uh you know when the camera kind of does a 360 flip as someone's walking down a hallway so yes. it starts with like them the right way up and it sort of goes upside down and then goes to the back of them does that make sense am i describing no it does yeah, no, yeah, it does, yeah. yeah he does that a lot and i really love that the use of that there's some very Hitchcockian elements to the way he yes, films it. Yes, it is. I'm glad that you said that. Thank you. I'm the, I'm, <laughs> I'm the James one that you want, if you got what I mean. Um, oh. Oh, I'm, I'm coming out of the puns. Last time it was bloggy with the crap puns, and now it's me. So, yeah, I Jeez. I don't want to get too much into the sequels just yet, but that is something that the second one sorely missed, was James Wan's guiding, delicate touch. Yeah, absolutely. He does have a I very think... delicate touch. <laughs> yes, he knows what to do with his hands. He's a good man. Does he work at if... a Turkish barber's, do you reckon? Part-time? I don't know. If not, I think he's missing out on one of his callings. Could he make <laughs> a few quid off that? He could turn me upside down, move me the wrong way and continuously track me. Yeah, he could. Gently massage your upper arm. It's just my upper arm, please, James. <laughs> I haven't got that much money to pay for it anymore. <laughs> I think before the parents start rutting, there's the, the kids play something called the clap game, which establishes ideas for later on in the film. But oh, I thought that was God. a brilliant idea because it's so simple and you think something's going to go horribly wrong. Well, it never does in this first instance, but it, it so succeeds for, you know, what may come later. Yeah, nobody wants to play hide and clap. Like, what a, what a fucking awful game that is. <laughs> <laughs> what fun you must be at hide and clap parties. Oh, God, stay. Well, because I know, I know what happens when you play hide and clap. I've seen the movie. Yeah, you, you, you get, pushed into, get pushed into a closet and you find a hidden cellar. Exactly. A hidden, haunted cellar, perhaps. It was, it was a good... Oh, I guess, I guess the spirits moved them into that room, but it was a good thing they happened to knock that panel out. 
Yeah, when they did. Exactly, but you know, sometimes you have to let things go because <laughs> they never find it. <laughs> but maybe Annabelle made them do that. Annabelle wasn't in the house, but the spirits of the other ghosts were. Yeah, they one one of them had a ghost in their ear, going, "You want to play hide and clap, don't you?" Just be like, "No, I'm trying to sleep, mate. It's my first day here." Yeah. They didn't stop to have dinner, I don't think, either. So they're probably fatigued and hungry. <laughs> How irresponsible of them. I oh, know, bad parents. Bad parents, parents. Um, yeah, so the, the parents have done it. They've woken up in the morning feeling, you know, feeling good about themselves. Uh, Carolyn, Carolyn Perrin, who's the yeah. mother. Lily Taylor, who's awesome in this film, I think. Carolyn Perrin, Mrs. Perrin, Mother Perrin. She's alone in bed because Roger has, you know, he's he's done what he needs to do last night. And he's got up. And he's gone into Fruit the cellar and found... That's it. She's still got the seed on her leg. She's, he's gone into the cellar. And he's found all this uh, antique, crazy-looking stuff. Some of it's hidden over, which just looks terrifying. So he's down there, eventually goes up because, like a good wife, which always seems to happen in these films, the woman always says, I'm going to go and put on a pot of coffee. The littlest, the youngest daughter comes down and says, hey, where's Sadie? I'm going to go and find her. What does she find? Dead dog. It's dead dog o'clock. Yeah. It's dead dog. Dead dog. <laughs> I don't actually know what, like... See, that's never explained. Who killed the dog? How well, maybe it's just a really annoyed neighbour. What killed the dog? But this is what I mean, though, like, because the ghosts... The ghosts don't, like... You know, they don't, they don't just turn up and start stabbing people. That's not how ghosts roll, really, is it? So who... No, they, they leave burn marks on you, but unless it was Roger's rampant sex drive, just dog just couldn't handle the noise. And just well, because like that's also why she, she wakes up with a big bruise on her leg, doesn't she? And she goes, yes. oh, you were a bit rough with me last night. I know, and I'm thinking, come on, guys, your parents. Yeah, that's true, though. It never is explained, obviously. No, it's not. And everyone seems to get over the death of the dog pretty quickly as well. Like, the dog's just a very transient character. That's a really good point, actually. The next scene is a really naff mound with a quick quick bit of wood with Sadie written on it. And then it's it has done. The dog's barely ever... I don't think the dog's ever mentioned after No, that. like, the kid gets over it as well, doesn't she? Like, the youngest one just gets over it fine. She's like, oh, yeah. It's not like I had an affinity with the dog or anything. Yeah, it's not like I gave a shit about the dog. It's, it's, I think that's true. I don't remember anybody talking about the dog after that which is now 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 i'm finding things i don't like about the film but um, we're the only ones that give a shit about sadie i know justice hashtag justice for sadie yeah justice for sadie for the love of the family (laughs) put your paws up for sadie yes well (laughs) sadie's dead she's just been she's been mutilated by something which you are we are you are dead straight though in all seriousness it isn't actually it It isn't (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, isn't, it, you know, it just happens but on the flip side of that could that also be good storytelling in the sense that we don't the fact that you don't know what it is builds that kind of mystery it's intention because like, like, the whole argument about this oh yeah ghosts like they have to feed on the negativity of the family before they can get their full powers and all this kind of shit so like if they can kill the dog why not just kill everyone there and then well the dog was annoyed because it was outside the mum and dad were clearly having fun and the kids were probably just asleep yeah, it's true. And but that, but at the same time, like, things were going bump in the night, and certainly on the second night, things were going very much going bump in the night. And Roger's gone up to have a look at what's going on, and the first thing I thought of when the things when doors are creaking and things are smashing, and I'm thinking, if this was me, I'd pull a Homer Simpson. I'd be shouting, "Whatever's out there, I've got a wife and kids. Eat them." You know what I mean? That's what, if I was him, he should have shouted that. 
Yeah, that would have been home of me and the ghouls want to have a chat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. How good would that have been if he just got down on his knees and started begging to the spirit, have a wife and kids, eat them. Oh, <laughs> quotes. I'm glad we got that in. Yeah, because the kid wakes up and she's like, oh, yeah, my room really smells. And then again, Christine, brilliant example of parenting, goes, well, does it smell anymore? And she's like, no. And she's like, well, problem solved then. Job done, yeah. So yeah. It, could, it could have been like fish guts, which have been there for six months. Yeah, it could have been left by left by some disgruntled ex-employees, no doubt. It's almost like we've heard that story before. But it's yeah, almost like we've had a chat before this pod started. <laughs> we don't chat. We come straight on and we get straight no, into it. We don't true, talk. True. We don't like each other. We just get on with it. <laughs> don't break the fourth wall. Just get on with it. Too right. We, we don't. We don't like each other. But um, I like you, Bob. No. You were right, really. <laughs> um, oh no, I was being serious. I'm. I'm a serious as Sadie about this. Oh good. Sadie, look what happened to Sadie. <laughs> The bumps in the night and everything like that, which I mentioned, for me, I think they were done really well because the film doesn't set out to spend the first 20... to like really start off with well, hell on earth. It builds things up slowly. There are bumps in the night, but nothing really comes of them. It's just things which are there to do in the dark which are designed to make you feel on edge and uneasy. But you don't necessarily see anything for the first, for the first few nights, really, that happens. It's just... Roger will go down and investigate. Nothing, there's nothing there. The girls will say something stinks, but we don't see anything. Mm. And then obviously one of them gets their leg pulled in bed, which when he st- oh, things start to change. That scene really did me in. It really did do me in. Oh, it's just that's just the worst. Like I'm, I'm one of these people that sleeps with all the covers all over me, even if it's summer and I'm sweating and I smell and I don't care because I just I won't have my legs out of the bed. Nice. It's terrible, and th- this film like just made me realise that I'm doing the right thing. Well, you you are because I don't think by the looks of it they haven't got the energy or the patience to sort of unravel a duvet to try and find your foot. It's easier if it's out there for them. Yeah, exactly. If if it's there and you know you're begging for it, aren't you? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna offer my legs up on a platter to some ghost. I've got a perfectly good dog that they can stab. <laughs> well, firstly, that's extremely. I was about to say how much I agree with what you said, but then you did, then you took it down a different path of dog death. Well, you know, if it could me or the dog. To be fair, yeah, me or anybody. To be honest, I'll tell anybody. Say anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie there, but knock down your grandma to get away from a ghost, wouldn't you? I love you, Nan. <laughs> I, I like my time on on the planet. <laughs> As, oh, we also mentioned that one of the other girls has found a. She found a musical box, one of the ones where you turn, you twist it, you, mm-hmm. and it's got one of those. It's got that creepy music playing, and you open the lid, and there's a mirror, which kind of like hypnotically uh, rotates. And apparently, there's somebody called Rory who's in the background and who watches you if you play the game. Yeah, because that's not terrifying at all. <laughs> the kids just enjoy, like the kids just go on with it. Yeah, the kid. I like it how she says to her mum, like, oh, yeah, whenever I look in this mirror, there's a little boy that pops up behind me. And she's like, oh, OK, I'll play this game. I'd be thinking out, get out the house. <laughs> Burn Down box. the steaming box. <laughs> the kid or you? Kid's got to go. Well, no, yeah, well, the kid's already clearly got some sort of ghost affinity going on, so she can stay in the house. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, you fend for yourself. But... Yeah, yeah so they've, they've got bumps in the night, stinky rooms, feet getting grabbed. Rory's in the background of a mirror, so yeah, something's going on. We still don't really see anything, which is what I liked about this opening gambit. And then it mm. comes to the clap game part two, as I like to call it. 
Okay, so is that is that the one where is that the one where she's with the wardrobe, or is that the one with the with the basement? The wardrobe, the one where the mother's playing it with yeah. the youngest, because everyone knows the other kids have gone to school. Again, that bit that bit was a goosebumpy bit for me when she's so she's playing hide and clap, and the kid runs off, and she goes into the room uh, where this creepy wardrobe is that was left behind by the previous owners. And she says, oh, you know, I'm ready for the second clap. And these disgusting, grey, ranky-looking arms just sort of, like, slowly part the clothes and clap. And as she walks up to the wardrobe, she goes, oh, I can hear you breathing. And this thing is going, eh. <laughs> like, it's so horrible. <laughs> what, what, did, what, what did it sound like again? It's going, eh. <laughs> but more like in a wardrobe, so it's more like, eh, 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 like that. It's probably just hot in there. It probably is. It probably is really hot in there. But it's true, that bit caught me off guard when I first saw the film. Because I think it, this film actually surprised me. It still works very well when you watch it at home on your TV in the yeah. dark. Obviously, the city being in cinema is a completely different experience because you get the, the mental sound system. And this film, so some horror film, or well, most horror films should benefit from a good sound system. But we're talking about this film, and this film does benefit from having that all-around cinema sound and it's these kind of these kind of moments why so the clap you don't know where it's coming from yeah it's just somewhere in your senses and then yeah when you suddenly she enters this room and the mother's what makes it even more slightly unnerving is the mother she um she's carolyn she's you know, she's having a good time she's all smiles she's literally got a massive grin on her face as she's walking into this room like Haha, i can hear you clap and she can't see yeah these two hands just come out of nowhere and just oh. and, we, and we know don't go up to it, but she's walking they don't, up to this. They don't even clap like that. Though. They don't even clap like it's like it's that's like a right. slow, yes, it's it's like a a slow, slow like demon clap. Yeah, that's how demons it's clap. Kind of like thunder clap, but demon clap. <laughs> demon clap. Very slow. Very yeah, like the it's devil. Just, it's just like you've seen something that you just really didn't like. So you're just like, yep. But I, uh, she, we know she can't go in there. But she's smiling her head off, thinking this is all part of the game. I found my youngest daughter hiding in the closet, and she's, she's kind also of like... now got like a really deep respiratory issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, what's happened to you in the twenty seconds you've been gone? <laughs> pack of twenty. <laughs> well, maybe Sadie's death did affect her. Maybe it did. She turned to the old Marlboros. Yeah. Well, you know, the wood bonds in the family. Yes, exactly. And what I said, the dog. It's always hard to take when it's a dog. But that moment is that did catch me off guard because what and I've mentioned the the, the camera work in this film. Some of the way these shots are framed are perfect because in the foreground is Carolyn, but in the background is the closet, and they make no effort to hide the fact that the closet's there. Almost as to say, keep your eye on it. But there's something about the way it's shot which it I can't fully explain it, but. It's just shot so well that it's almost it's almost in your periphery whilst actually being right in front of you. I yeah. Think make, I know that makes no sense, but when I was watching it yesterday, I know, I could see that the closet was there, but because of the way they focused on Carolyn in that shot and in others as well, you're kind of drawn to her more than the closet, even though your mind's yeah. telling you that's got to have something to do, something's in that bloody closet. Because I think the thing that makes James Wan so clever as a director is that he's obviously a you know a seasoned horror watcher, and I think that what he does is he kind of plays on the fact that you would, because you're you're being made to focus on the wardrobe, you kind of think that maybe something's going to sweep from the sides, mm-hmm. and you so you're expecting stuff to happen 
and then it doesn't happen. So he manages to turn every dark corner and every weird shot into a suspenseful situation when often there isn't anything happening at all. I think that's just perfect for all yes. of us. Spot on, because he does that throughout the film. There's so many moments when you're waiting for something to happen and invariably it never does. Then when you think, oh, it's going to be a double whammy where it's not going to happen there, but then they're going to turn around and it'll be there and it still isn't there. The way it's written, it's kind of it's set up for you to it catches you off guard because you're expecting something to happen, and when it doesn't, you're then thinking, "Oh Christ, when when, yeah. when, when it's going to happen, but when?" And it yeah. really puts you, you on edge. You wound up like a top, and you're watching it the whole time. You are wound up like a massive spring, a coil, <laughs> a Peterborough coil. But it's true, though. He does that. <laughs> Wouldn't want to find one of those. I don't know what that is, but it sounds foul. It, like a Turkish grunt. He, I... <laughs> yeah, he does that quite well throughout the or very well throughout the film, and there will be instances throughout where we mention it. But once the clapping, nothing really comes of the clapping game, which is what we say. We see the hands come out. We know it's clearly not human. But rather than the mother get brutally attacked by whatever is in the closet, you know, her daughter jumps out. Ah, oh, I'm here. You, you didn't get me. I, I, I've been in the other room the whole time. Again, because nothing's happened, you're thinking, oh, shit, what's going to happen now? And what happens is later on in the evening, because it kind of sh- it flicks between morning, afternoon and evening, as does, does time, um, quite quickly <laughs> in these films. The day flows. Yes, I mean, I hear that's what happens, but it'll be the morning and then the next shot will be evening, for example. So, I mean, the next event is, again, the daughter's leg is just getting pulled. And, of course, you've got to look under the bed. But she looks over the edge of her bed first and there's nothing there. And then she looks very slowly underneath her bed and there's still nothing there. And this is when we get the instance of the of the camera tilting itself around. It's such a good shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Because you, you do think, oh, God, don't look under your bloody bed. And then he does that that camera flip. And it it, it is almost like, as he does it, your stomach's going over. Like, your stomach's mimicking the camera action. Yeah. And it's just, it's the fear of what what's going to be underneath the bed. Yeah, and there's nothing under the bed, but it's what's by the door. And of course, oh. it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's behind about the door. It, it's just really making me uncomfortable. Like, I really don't like this movie. I like, but I do. <laughs> well, I'm glad you do, because we've been talking about it for half an hour. So it would be pretty odd to stop now. It would be. Let's continue Come on, on. you can do it, Bloggy. Come on, get a beer, you can do it. <laughs> no, I really don't like that bit because she, she she sits up and the door is just kind of creaking, creaking back, and then she's trying to get her sister to wake up. That's and it. she, it's the fact that you know that in that moment you would want to be like, oh, my God, wake up. But she's like, yes. Yeah, <laughs> But you probably you may even be like, if, I, I don't know how I'd act because I've never had a door open by itself and all that, but... Part of me would think that I wouldn't want to start shouting in case I startled whatever the hell was potentially behind, behind that door. door. Yeah, and I suppose if you're if it's a ghost that you can see, you probably think it's a person, didn't you? You don't think, oh, you know, it's only going to stay behind the door. Well, that's it. And the and the daughter is, I think it's Christine, which is Joey King, who I think was in uh, Wish something about Wish last year. It wasn't very good, but she can see that whatever the infestation is. Well, it was manifestation, sorry. And she's trying to get manifestation. She's trying to get Nancy, her sister, to wake up. And when she does, she's pointing. You know, I'm not going to do the voice, but she's saying, can you see that? 
Can you can you see it there? Nothing yeah. there. Then the door slams shut and the parents are having to come rushing in to get in and she and then they get in and the daughter's on the bed just off going off on one and the other one is looking pretty confused. <laughs> yeah, still not sure as to what just has happened, but that's uh and I did also then mention that the one of the other daughters sleepwalks as well. Yes, of course. We would we would have to have a sleepwalking daughter amongst all of this. Yes, just 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 to make things uh, even more safer. But yeah, she walks around the house and bangs her head on the closet. So some of the bangs in the night are the youngest daughter just uh, nutting her life against the closet. Yeah, this is also the one that communes with a dead boy as well. <laughs> yeah, so she's clearly she, yeah she's clearly all there. She's fine. Yeah, she's had she's not had a troubled upbringing whatsoever. And then the dog and then the dog just helped that out. Yeah, I know. Selfish dog not fighting back. <laughs> Oh, bark, no bite. Wow! Oh, wow, we're back. Woof, we've done it. That was that was a pedigree <laughs> joke. It was. DMX would be proud of me right now. <laughs> I mean, in amongst these things happening, we like I say, we do get the normal day shots, and a lot of them actually revolve around the Warrens. So it goes that we see a bit about what they get up to. They're giving lectures about the paranormal activities. They have been... They've been uh, investigating and we find out that there's something happened to Lorraine Warren during what the last exorcism they performed. It's never said explicitly what at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, those exorcism videos are really scary as well. I like them because, well, I don't like but if you go online, you can find ones like that and it's creepy as hell. What, like real ones? Yeah. Oh, no thanks. No, I'll email you some later. Really? No, seriously, do it because I'll I'll watch them and then I'll be scared. But I'll watch Sweet them. dreams. But no, it's that it's that guy called Maurice, is it? Yeah. Because that they always reminded me of, like because of like some people call me Maurice, woo woo, and I was like, oh, Maurice isn't going to be scary. He's a space cowboy, and then uh, yeah, he's like bleeding from his eyes and going fucking mental. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. okay, maybe maybe Maurice isn't a joker. This isn't the Maurice on <laughs> Where's this? Where's this all flowing from? Well, from that song that I really—I can't even remember what it's called now. It is the Joker, and it's by the Steve Miller Band. Steve Miller Band—that's that's decades old. That is, yeah. But then Fatboy Slim covered it, and there was kittens in the video, and everyone likes kittens. Yeah, Fatboy Slim. He was fucking in heaven, though. He was. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, he was <laughs> off of Norman Cook and his uh, yeah. and his phallus work. Yeah, yeah sorry, so where were we? Exorcism videos with Maurice. They were really scary. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, I, I never thought I'd get Fat Boy Slim into a conjuring discussion, but hell, what else could we get into it into the next show? Whatever that may be. Today, I'm sure he'll praise us for it, like he should. Oh, oh! oh wow! <laughs> get, get off! Also, get off! Hang up! Like no, no. Let's try and put it back to the film. Please. Um, in that, in that, in that bit where they're doing the the talks and everything, and there's that little kid that's like, so what is it that you really do then? In in, in front of him is Lorraine Warren as a little like a little cameo. Oh apparently. nice, I didn't know that. So, yeah, just look out for the old lady amongst all the like kids that they're oh. lecturing to. How did I miss that then? <laughs> yeah. She obviously wasn't dressed hip enough for me to notice her, but. Oh, no, she's just wearing a big badge that says, I'm Lorraine Warren, ask me how. <laughs> Ghosts get it here. Oh, that's interesting. I never I never noticed that. I'm going to go back and check that afterwards. Just to, just to I like little uh, drop-in cameos like that. Well, you've got one. 
So be be thankful for it. Nice one. Thank you, Bloggy. Thank you very much. You've enlightened me once more. I found out on IMDb. I don't just know these things. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't just didn't look at her and just connect that that was Lorraine. Yeah, I didn't just like twig like, oh god, look, that's only bloody Lorraine Warren, isn't it? That woman I've never seen before. That looks like her. It does. It really does. (laughs) Well, it's interesting to know if anyone's listening. Go and check out Lorraine Warren. She's in that scene. Um, I'm going to check it out later on, just for my own benefit basically but i never noticed that but yeah there's so there's scenes of um the warrens showing what they do there's that awesome exorcism scene where lorraine is kind of shown something by the possessed don't know what it is but it's you know messed her up to the point that ed warren uh, again the the excellent patrick wilson is trying to do things you know incognito he's trying he there's been a call from the bit from the father he doesn't want to take lorraine along because he's worried that it could something could relapse or trigger or go wrong or something could she could come to harm she's saying mm. look god put us together for a reason the reason is to you know be the ghostbusters and yeah. so we get we kind of find out more about them without spending an awful lot of time with them even though the film is kind of from their point of view for the first oh, probably oh, the first 45 to 50 minutes maybe if not longer they're kind of peripheral characters yeah, yeah, definitely. But it is apparently all based on their memoirs and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's as close to what apparently actually or allegedly happened as can be because it's their memoirs and Lorraine Warren's word. And if she was there, then we can only take her word as gospel. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, if she says it's true, then it's true. I think there was some, um, I think there was some, disc- and I don't know whether I've got this the wrong way round because they, uh, they did the Amityville haunting as well. They researched, they were involved in all of that. And I don't yes, know whether were. I don't know whether it was that family or whether it was the Perrin family, but I'm sure that there there were extra children in one of the families that kind of they weren't part of the, the movies. And I think it was this one that they they had extra kids that aren't as part they aren't characters in the movie, but they were like, I never saw anything. Oh, I didn't know. I, that. Don't, I don't it may not be the conjuring, it may be a Mitterville, and I've got them confused because I do I'm... that. <laughs> <laughs> I know that they had something to do with Amityville. They had, they would, they investigated that. But no, I don't know if that's the case for this one or for that one. But I mean, I haven't. I think heard it might be Amityville. I don't know. I'm sure that there was there were people that were part of the family that just basically said, "I never really saw anything happen," so they just omitted them from the film. Yeah, <laughs> 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 like this one kid that's like, "I don't fucking see anything, mate. The dog's still alive." <laughs> Well, well, bundle this mug off. We can't have him ruining this. I can't imagine them be like, "Yeah, well, we've actually kept booked you for a three-week holiday." Thanks for it's thanks like, for It's like that other Osborne, who's actually like probably the only one yes. that sounds mind and quite hot, and she she doesn't want to be part of the family. Doesn't want to become part of a crap. <laughs> she's, not, yeah, she's not part of anything. Yeah, she's uh, she's the only one of any self-respect. But we're talking about scares. We're talking about horrors. We're talking about kids telling people that no ghosts happened and getting omitted from the story. <laughs> apparently that could all be rubbish i could have just like invented that in my head if you have i applaud you but i think i I haven't read anything relating to this film so i guess maybe it was about the amityville but i don't know but it's interesting either way though it is i'm sure that because they've done quite a few high profile paranormal investigations over the years yes of course they did the enfield haunting for and that was covered in the conjuring too and they've done so many others it's, yeah. it's amazing how much work they've done. It is. It's quite. It's quite short. And and they've you know they but they I think they're she's still trying to tell out books and stuff. Like that. I don't think that they've become rich off of it by any tell, means. Tell. <laughs> well, 
Oh, she is. She's I trying to saddle her flogging them. <laughs> what? Uh, no, I bet she is. I bet if you live near Lorraine Warren, she's the right one. It's like a market stall trader. Well, she's probably like a Jehovah's Witness, but a paranormal witness. She comes <laughs> and knocks on the door and goes, can I speak to you about all the ghosts that are living in your house? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. No, not you. The ghosts stand behind you. Yeah. <laughs> Where's your dog, by the way? <laughs> I need to stop bringing up the dog. Stop it. I didn't. I didn't bring up the whooping dog. I know. I'm, you. Saying, I, I'm. I'm checking myself before you're I. Gonna, if you keep, you're gonna go barking mad at this rate. Oh. <laughs> oh I've. I've just almost smacked myself for that. It was so bad. But. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell was that? That was me. You said that everything sucked. You said that the steak was chewy, and then <laughs> you just put screw Flanders over and over again. <laughs> You said it was. It's because your accents are so good. I just can't differentiate. I know. I know. Uh, we're here all night for accents. Mostly me. But yes. it is all you because I just stumble my way through these, and Bloggy is actually the beacon of professionalism. Absolutely. If you just can't sleep with a cake. <laughs> and I don't swear. <laughs> no, she doesn't. She's a she's a, she's a choir girl. If you didn't listen to the last one, if you didn't go back and listen to it. But yeah, blog is a choir girl. I was extremely surprised and slightly embarrassed that I questioned the fact that she's a choir girl. <laughs> I am a choir girl. That's right. So yeah, it's... Elizabeth was a also she was a choir girl. But back to the conjuring, uh, the clap game. I, we mentioned uh, the clap game. We mentioned that. You're so, you're so sad. We mentioned the first one. We mentioned the second one, and then the clap returns for a third game. And this is when it stuff starts that, to apparently. get real now. Um, that can come back. Well, I wouldn't know. <laughs> would you? Would yeah. So you're putting yourself in a situation there, blogging. I'm a choir girl. Why would I even know what you're talking about right now? I know, and I would like to hear some of these tones one day. Yeah. Good. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> next time you're doing a choir gig, I'm coming along. Awesome. Okay. Consider it done. I'll be that one in the back dressed like Lorraine Warren. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, with the third... <laughs> the Sorry, third... I've just got images of you showing up in, like, full drag. <laughs> like a wig and everything. You've been like, is it Rocky Horror tonight? And you're like, no, nah, mate, it's the choir. <laughs> you turn up to something for the wrong day. Oh. It's just, just, it's just showing support. Why wouldn't I dress up like that? Because keep me focused, wouldn't it? It would do. Excellent. The clap, part three. As I said, this is where this is where the film now takes a drastic turn for the third act, and I don't mean that negatively. This is when it starts. This is when the noise, the, the the sound is executed excellently. It gets real. It does. The clap game starts. Carolyn, the, again, the mother, Carolyn. She is. She's up. She's the one who's investigating, and just as she's looking around the house, God Almighty, the photos lining the walls going down the stairs. Oh. Crash down onto the floor, but it's a deafening crash. There's and there's a girl's giggle as it happens, but it is absolutely deafening the way they did that. Yeah, I didn't. Well, I didn't see it at the cinema, but I think if I did see it at the cinema, I would have probably just prolapsed. I can't imagine what I would have done. <laughs> you would have absolutely shattered it, but it is so loud. But even on the home TV, it's, it's yeah. so loud. It is really loud. I, I watched it at height, obviously, to prepare for this. I watched it, and I it was one of those where like this, the talking is really quiet, but the action is really loud. 
So I had to yeah. have it up quite high to hear what they were saying. And then the, these pictures come crashing down. And I swear to God, like, I just pantsed it. I knew it was coming as well. And it was just so loud. I'm not going to lie. I was I jumped out of the chair watching it. I was It proper brucked me. I was gone. <laughs> you love that word. You've adopted the bruck. I have. I've never oh, heard know. it before. And now I'm a bruck boy. <laughs> Keep on brucking. It was so loud. But at the same time, though, you've got... You've got creaks going through the house. You've got claps. There's a, the piano in the attic plays three notes that uh, Carolyn played at the beginning of the film. And at that oh, moment, yeah. when I it's did like, think, fuck that. Yeah. I'm not having that. She goes into the... Oh, she, oh, she finds herself in the cellar. And put it like that. And when she's looking around, just like frantically trying to work out what's going on, a ball is just thrown out of the darkness. And that's oh, well. just sends a batch crap crazy. Yeah, that I hate that bit. She started like she's scrambling up the stairs trying to get out. Yes, and then, and then... oh, you know, because no, because the reason that she's in there in the first place, isn't it, is that she's like, oh, whoever's in here, I'm going to lock you in. And then, the door and then the door slams. Closes. The door slams, and she twats her head, and she goes down. And then the she piano falls. starts playing, and then the ball comes out. Oh yeah, and she's like shit a brick and just starts running and then she remembers that the dad left the matches and so she strikes a match to try and see and then it's like oh do you want to play hide and clap and then those arms come back out and clap yes. right next to her and then the match goes out and then she's like screaming something's banging again because oh. she has tried she has tried to get out but the door is obviously locked so that's when she gets to do matches to try and work out what the hell is going on but at the same time this bit scared the living ass out of me when I saw it. It's the uh, the young Good daughter. Oh, yeah, oh, man, God. she's slept walking. She's in her sister's room and where the creepy closet is. And, and he, all you can hear is... Where she's banging her head on the closet. Her sister gets up and does what she's told. You know, don't wake her up. Just take her back to bed. She tells her to sleep in her bed that evening. And there's or something which draws her to the closet. And just oh, it's the, the banging carries on even though she's it, not the banging banging carries on. it anymore. Yeah. That's it. And the, sister, the, the older sister goes towards the closet. Behind her, the younger one just sits up. Like, like just bolt upright. Bolt upright staring. And then she turns around and there's this son of a mother licker on top of the closet. Oh, don't. Don't. And it so leaps scary. down on top of her. It's the way it leaps on top of her like some sort of feral animal. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Oh no, that bit, because that was, um, when I first watched this, I watched it in a little studio flat when I was at uni, and my wardrobes had a great big gap, they were, you know, it wasn't like a creepy wardrobe, they were like, you know, MDF, like fitted white wardrobes or whatever, but they had a substantial human-sized gap at the top of them, and it was next to my TV, so I'm watching this (laughs) horror film thinking, oh, this is going to be crap, you know, bloody, it's another one of these teen movies, you know, I'm watching it and that bit happened and I had to I had to pause it for a moment and just like have some quiet reflection to myself that this is a movie, it isn't real. I had to keep imagining them going right and cut, you know, and trying to <laughs> I had to keep imagining <laughs> this woman going through makeup to look that grotesque and uh but it it still gets me. Like even thinking about it now, I'm sat in my room now and I'm I'm actually quite nervous. <laughs> You're, there's nothing there, you're safe. I know, well, it's, no, it's just your voice, probably. It's making me even worse. Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
scary enough having to talk to you every month. I've never been told that my voice can project fear. <laughs> it's, it's, no, it's you don't really have a scary voice, I to haven't. be honest. Quite a non-threatening, friendly voice. A friendly neighbourhood, Matt, that's why. I'm a nice guy. Yeah. Well, there we go. Well, that's good. Yeah, good. It's good that you, you know, don't ever sit on top of someone's wardrobe and jump on them. Because <laughs> your, your nice to. image will just go, like, that would be it. Yeah, apparently that's frowned upon, climbing into people's houses and then waiting, eloping on top of their cupboard, waiting for them to come in. Yeah. And then jumping on underage girls. It's not something I've ever really thought about. <laughs> God, when you put it like that. I don't, I'm not that kind of guy. I mean, I think you're a great girl, Blocky, but I'm not going to come and jump on you from your closet. Thank you. It's all right, but, you know, That's never say never. <laughs> never say never. Um, but that, that scene is, again, when, when you describe it, oh, girl bangs her head, she goes away, somebody goes to the closet, oh, there's something on top of it. It sounds, you know, naff or cliche or just overdone, but it's the way that it's, again, it's the way that it's framed, the way that it's shot, the way that it's paced. It, and the way that when they when the demon or whatever it is, a malevolent being on top of the closet is shown, it's the way the sound comes in, it zooms yeah. into her, and then there like is, you say, there like, is like a growling noise in the in the in the music as well. So it sort of like yeah. goes, ah, and it does that like ah something scary. But then as she's there, and it kind of zo- it does like a slight zoom on her as yeah. well. So it's got like a whip pan from when the girl behind her sits up, goes, oh, my God, and then the girl turns around, and as she turns her head, the camera whips around, sort of almost like a point-of-view shot, goes to the thing on top of the wardrobe, the music kicks in, and then there's this partial zoom, and it goes, and it's like this growling noise, and it's just, it's fucking horrible. Like, he, (laughs) James Wan's so good at this, because that's just an awful idea, isn't it? Yeah, and and like I say, the feral leap just sort of does it. It's like it's animalistic, like it's purely like whatever she is, she isn't human. It's you know, I think that's... the best part for me is when whatever it is jumps off the closet and and, and attacks the girl. You don't see anything; it cuts back away again because the dad, yeah. who is a truck driver and he's been you know out delivering stuff in his truck, <laughs> I think it, it cuts to like an establishing shot of the house, and you can just hear everyone screaming. <laughs> yeah, and those establishing shots are awesome. I'm going to get into them later, but they are awesome. But the dad's come back. Thankfully, he came back just as the wife's getting just attacked and the time, kids. Yeah. But, you know, and he hears everything. But, okay, convenient, fine. But he comes back and he gets the wife out of the, the closet. He then rushes upstairs. But you don't see the daughter getting attacked. You see her thrashing around on the floor. But nobody can see what she's, you know, thrashing around with. Which I like that they didn't show too much. Yeah, I like that it isn't that, you know, because I think that, when you think about things like Insidious and stuff, I think Insid- I think James Wan directed Insidious as well, did he? Or he yeah, had he did, to yeah. Do with he it had something to do with it. He um that was that was had exactly the same kind of build up, but then the end happens and there's all this CGI bollocks and you're like, well, now it's all ruined, <laughs> you know, yeah. like. Then they did the last key and one of them was called fucking Keyface. Yeah, that one really sucked. That one that really sucked, you believe. clogged up every toilet in the United Kingdom that did it. It was awful. Oh, it was awful. On the Insidious, I didn't mind that film, actually, but this one's a heck of a lot better. But James Wan is fantastic at doing stuff like that. And it's kind of now that the family realises, well, finally, something is absolutely wrong. And they con- the guys, got the Perron family, contact the Warrens. And they kind of say, can you come and have a look, please? This is when, have a look. Yeah, <laughs> something's going on. The dog's dead. So there's a stink. There's a stink in the room. 
something's just jumped off my closet. I kept there's, there's something keeps playing the piano and balls get thrown around out of nowhere. But I think something might be up. Do you mind, you know, you know, check Amaganda? I also like as well that they decided to show there's a bit like a really pointless bit where it just shows that you know like oh we're not we're not just trying to exploit people for money well, there's this bit where he's like you see it's the pipes making that noise your house yes. is haunted and you're like as what a, if what a nice guy him for all he was worth the second film goes on to show that uh ed warren is some apparently some sort of superman handyman who could fix anything but yeah. in this film yeah it does step that up and it well, yeah i know what you mean it's kind of like you know it's your pipes you've got and he goes into this very very quickly but very detailed explanation of what the pipes and the wind and the angle where the floorboards were going to do when they expand I'm thinking yeah like as if he's like some bloody engineer or something sounds like he's just making it up because it kind of I think they kind of stole that bit because there's a bit where isn't he he's fixing his car for him or he's helping yeah in the Chevy yeah and it reminds me I don't know if you've seen Poltergeist 2 sadly yeah you have I love Poltergeist sadly Poltergeist 2 is kicking I love that film but there's the bit where like taylor the uh native american guy is like fixing you know he comes to the house and he's kind of like the medium slash you know like he's a spiritual advisor he's also like the family therapist and he can fix everything in the house so while the family are all like oh he's just he's just like fixing the car he's like giving therapy sessions to the mum. like you need to find your strength and i think they, they kind of nicked a lot of that from from spielberg's Tangina Baron type thing. That's a very interesting point that I hadn't put those two to uh, piece those two together. But mediums in these films are always like just the the fucking miracle workers. Uh, every man. Also, if anyone needs voiceover work, Bloggy's here for you. These accents are getting better and better. <laughs> but now I hadn't noticed. I bet. Strength. Yeah. To find your strength now with this new toothpaste. The, yeah, they are kind of portrayed as every man, but I guess I don't. This one they hold back in the next one. They got Ed Warren singing "Fucking Elvis Presley," and they spend four minutes of a film just playing and him playing oh, the acoustic yeah. guitar. I but um, and I like that family song. together with music. And he sings um, Elvis Presley. I think it can't help falling in love with you. I think he plays. Oh, I love that song. Great song, That's... brilliant song by the King. But talk about filler. <laughs> but yeah, he's in. Yeah, like you see in this film, they do show that. Well, come on, these guys aren't just out. They're not the bad guys. They actually help people with their pot with their plumbing at one point. But they get them. <laughs> they get the Warrens in, and they they set up. You know, they they have a look around, and they're very quickly alerted to the fact that the smell is obviously going to be a bad sign. It's not just that the uh, your pipes are clogged up. There's yeah. the, the clocks are stopping at three o seven, which we didn't mention. Every night, every clock stops at three o seven. Yeah. the witching hour and obviously the things that go bump in the night the what's happening to the wife because she's just covered in bruises now so they're obviously starting to piece together that something's badly wrong so they get the team in they have a they get a policeman in obviously to have a more grounded approach and also in case everything goes to hell um a young bloke who's a whiz at technology so they yeah. get a team in and they set up cameras uh you they have uv lights there's um sound activated cameras blah blah there's everything there so they, they kind of make themselves home for a couple of days. They do. And the bit where they're setting all that up, I'm pretty sure that's when they've got the dead man's bones in the room where you sleep. Yes. Which is Ryan Gosling's band. And it's just so... Like, the soundtrack for this movie is awesome, which you wouldn't yes. expect. You're right. And, my God, Ryan Gosling's so dreamy. <laughs> do you think... Oh, I don't actually find him that attractive. I'm like one of the few people that just don't. I think his eyes are way too close together. 
I think he looks better with the beard. Yeah, something to distract from the eyes. <laughs> I think he's a very attractive man. He's a, no, he's a very, very attractive man. It's just that out of all of the other attractive men, I like him the least. Well, I'm just furious that I don't look like him, but... Um, but obviously, but... if he ever said, come on, Lisbeth, do you want to do you want to see my willy? I'd be like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the soundtrack's really good. <laughs> it's got Ryan Gosling in it. Um, he's got a willy, do you know that? He does. I've heard that he does. I don't know what it looks like because he's never fucking shown me, but Apparently, I'm sure he's very he's showing people. <laughs> And he plays, he sings a good song in The Conjuring. <laughs> my door just shut for no reason. I'm not oh, joking, no. I'm sorry. My window's open and my door just shut itself and I shit myself. <laughs> I'm fine. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> Brian Gosling um, did a song, was in the film. But yeah, that whole bit um, with his song in it is really good as well because it's got one of those, uh, it's got another one of those continual tracking things has it not yes it has yeah yeah yes it has well that's good yeah it's, i love those shots and <laughs> i like those that that scene as well because it has it gives a chance for a little bit of i don't say fun but some humor between a couple of characters and for one of a better words i hate this word but banter between a couple of the characters yeah um so it, it gives you a bit of a giggle because you know horror fans know that it's the calm before the storm, pretty much, and it certainly is. But they're setting their stuff up. We've got Ryan Gosling's pipes going on. We've had a bit of fun, and then basically the evening comes, and that's where they're waiting for something to happen. And of course, when you're waiting for something to happen, it doesn't always it doesn't always occur. No, it doesn't. Well, I found that the um the two the two guys that they bring in, oh, I can't remember what their names are, but they remind me of Tucker and Specs from Insidious. Seems to be like, I did, yeah, I did as well, but I found that at times they were they were like relief from all the oh yeah for sure yeah terror that was so I think that the uh, the tech guy you know the, the the tech guy and then the super skeptic police guy they play off each other really well yeah yeah and it they just, do it, 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 and it kind of at times also gives you a false sense of like security as well because you think oh you know they're laughing and joking so nothing's going to go wrong so. Yeah, so they're waiting around, and I think the bit that made it the most was when, uh, you know, they're having a bit of a laugh, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, a gun, I'll take a gun over a ghost or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes into the kitchen, and he sees that that God. fat dead lady that's like, look at what she made me do. And it's just, oh, uh, that bit really, is that, that's right, isn't it? That yeah, it is, yeah. yeah, it is, because he goes, he sees her, and there's, again, it's just the way things happen as a, it's like a, a a sheet is kind of drapes over where he needs to walk, and he kind of has to he has to move out of the way. And it's kind of that moment where you expect something to be there. It's done in one shot, so he's walking away from the camera, and it's sort of in the background almost. But it's waiting for things to happen that don't, and then you get the jump scare, and it's again it's it's yeah. an effective jump scare where she jumps out in his face and screams, "Look, you know what she made me do." Which yeah, and at she first I thought she, she was just ripping side as well, doesn't she? Taylor that Swift was... off for a bit, but it's not Taylor Swift. <laughs> No, it's not. It's definitely not. Taylor no. Swift has got a lovely face, and this lady does not. Yeah, I mean Taylor Swift sold more records than this lady, but she's jumps out of the bloke. She leaves. She leaves a um, a fairly prominent gash on his face, and hey, oh for Christ's sake! And the you're chucking this place in the gutter. 
and the uh, the kid he's with basically says, "Oh, you know, what happened to your face?" And the guy's like, "Oh, the police was like, oh, a draft did it," and that joke goes on and on and on. So yeah, yeah, it's kind of like as well with the whole she she jumps out from the side or whatever, and she kind of scares him, and there's the wind chime. Which is the thing that I just, I never get that. I think always all of these chime. films, there's a bloody wind chime and it's always, you know, because I think that he he sees something and he goes outside and he has a look and the wind chime's going off. And you yeah, always know when it. the wind chime's going off that something bad's going to happen. And now it's also, it's also another moment where you, you expect something to happen. So the way he goes outside and the way it's the framed and shot, he goes to the end of the porch, yeah. looks into the literal darkness almost, and then turns his back to walk in. And it's at that point you're expecting something to come from behind him. But it never does. Mm. So, again, it's that moment where you're put on edge because nothing happens. And you're thinking, what is going to happen? And then when you see it, when he sees the dead person, basically, you think, oh, that is creepy. And then he sort of, and he's just like, oh, I'm going to follow her into the into the darkness. Yeah, I'd be, well, I'd be having a guest. Yeah. Well, so, sorry, you lost. I'd go and get the experts yeah. immediately. It's, it's madness. He doesn't, but yeah, he's 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 all shook up, and you know the guy's like, Christ, if a, if a draft did that to you, then I'd hate to see what a ghost would do to you. After that, cut a long story short, the Warrens are trying to work out what's they they're researching the house, and they basically find out that there's death in every nook and cranny of the house. The house used to belong to an accused witch called Bathsheba, of course, who is a relative yes. of Mary Town Easty Eastev, sorry, no, it is Easty, who she sacrificed her weak old child to the devil. And killed herself in 1863, and cursing everybody who would take her land. So it's kind of the ultimate f you to God. She's used her God-given right to give birth, and then she's sacrificed it. Anybody who takes the land is cursed, and then there's murders and suicides happen in the years and decades afterwards. So basically everything, and also in the massive, quite awesomely scary-looking tree in the back garden, mm. where she was hung. They so built that tree. Did they? They did. Oh man, I was hoping that it was a it real. They found a this property. It was a naturally grown tree. They built it. Oh no, I feel cheated that they cheated Mother Mother Earth. But I did think if they found that house or or a house where they shot with that tree in the background, that would be like a godsend. Yeah, I know, right? Such a creepy but tree. It is. I mean, trees can be creepy. Who knew? But basically, there's death in the garden. There's death in the lake. There's death in the surrounding lands. Every room's got death in it. Yeah. So basically, they're buggered. So the Warrens, they want to exercise. They want to exercise the demons. They want to exercise the house. <laughs> see what I did there. I did. And but they they also need to get Vatican approval. As if anyone's seen an ex- exorcism film, that's the kind of thing you have to do. But they need evidence, and of course they get plenty of evidence, don't they? Yes, they do. They get lots and lots of evidence. One of which is a. Uh, turns out that when the girl's sleepwalking, there's someone with her, because they've obviously yes, the set pictures. up all of the. Uh, the motion cameras and the lights, and they don't they don't just go off because a fly's gone past. It's because there's something there. And, yeah, so the, the girl kind of sleepwalks about, and they get pictures of her walking around, and there's something with her. And there's such good pictures as well. And when it's Cindy is the daughter who sleepwalks, I can't remember, I think it might be Amanda, the child. She gets her, she's... Downstairs, everybody's downstairs because the family now decide to sleep together downstairs, sleep in the same room together yeah. downstairs for safety, which makes sense. It's actually a logical thing to do in this situation. But I think it's Amanda, I think Andrea, sorry, she gets pulled and thrown around by the 
by the spirit by her hair. Oh, it's yeah. caught on camera. It's caught on camera. So there's the evidence, and she's being literally just being flung around and thrown against the walls. That evidence is taken to the father, who actually almost collapses in fear because he realizes that this is the real deal. Yeah, and then uh, and then they they get their well, actually no, they don't get their approval, do they? Eventually they do, but it's too late. Yes, yeah, after too late, yeah. Bloody Vatican. They're not know, quick, are they? Can't they just send an email? Yeah. I can't, I can't pope, 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 whatever your name is. Let's get on the, get on the email. Get on, pick up the phone. Just send a text back saying K. <laughs> New number. Who this? Hi, babe. Ask us to get a text from the Pope. Um, just, just saying anything. I'm not necessarily into all that, but it still be cool to say that the Pope contacted me. I might try and get him on the show. Yeah, do um, it. Do it. Yeah. We're talking about the conjuring, you know, you didn't give your approval. I know it's fictional, but, you know, could have been a bit quicker. <laughs> Can you explain your reasoning for this, please? <laughs> yeah. And uh, here, this is my uh, colleague and co-host, Bloggy. She will be taking over the investigation. Good cop, hey. bad cop. <laughs> that would just be me the whole time. <laughs> the old popey. But, yeah, they, they, they go to the Vatican and we, they do eventually get approval. But what happens, obviously, next is... Is the is you know what the movie's been building up to pretty much the the Perron family they go to a motel to try and get out of the house whilst the whilst Ed and Ed and Lorraine everybody else try to make sense of what's going on try and cleanse the house but the story has it that the the, the spirit possesses the mother to try and kill the child the eldest child I believe yes it's very it's not telegraphed because it actually happens at that moment the spirit has actually taken over Carolyn, the mother, and while she's in the motel, she's basically taking the spirit with them, with her. Yeah, because there's a bit where she's hanging up the laundry, isn't it? The uh, yep. uh, Lorraine Warren's hanging oh, up the yes. laundry. I thought that bit was really good, actually. So she's hanging up the sheets, and it's a nice sunny day, which is why she's hanging the sheets up. And then all of a sudden, the weather turns, and one of the sheets blows off, and as it blows off, it lands on someone and there's an outline of a body and the music's all like Ing! and then the sheep flies up to the bedroom where the mum is where the mum's having a nap and then you see Bathsheba standing at the window and I thought that bit was really really well done because you just don't expect it you just think oh she's just hanging up some washing whatever and then this and then just basically she wakes up the mum wakes up Bathsheba's hanging over her vomiting in her mouth Lorraine Warren's running up the stairs like Carolyn, Carolyn and then Carolyn just opens the door and goes oh yeah I'm fine, no worries mate and Lorraine Warren for all her paranormal experience goes okay that seems legit, you know she's just <laughs> yeah. seen what, everything that she needs to fucking know and then she goes off to the motel, everything seems to be okay and isn't that when the Warrens go away and do some research and the, they've got the recording of her saying, you know, oh yeah, so this is the the hauntings happened at this time or whatever, and they realise that none of it recorded, and then the tape, yes. the tape stops. He goes, he goes in, and he goes, none of none of uh, none of Christine Perrin's voice is recorded on this tape when we interviewed her, and they're like, oh my god, and then it starts to play by itself. And it's got all these demon noises on it. And when they look at the clock, it's 3.07. Yeah, I think that's how they, excuse that's... Me, I think that's how they deduce that something is. Yeah, this, this is now that's when it got whacked now, yeah. Yeah. So Everything else before that didn't convince them. 
even the fact that the bath that the sheep basically became a ghost flew up to a window and the mother was just standing there and then said oh no i'm all right mate i just felt a bit ill yeah after all of that it's that that kind of pushed them over the edge i think yeah exactly because there's also a bit isn't there where uh, lorraine oh no that comes later so she's um yeah she's basically she's been possessed and um she no no it's when it is when so when they're like oh yeah there's someone with the kid uh lorraine warren falls through the stairs doesn't she and she falls into the yes basement. and she falls, right. falls into the basement and she sees rory and she sees rory's creepy look what she made me do mum and then looking thing. all of a sudden these feet just come down as if someone's just been hung as if they've just been dropped from the gallows kind of thing and there's just these feet and you can't see nobody and then they start to turn around and start to chase her and as she's running away it rips off her necklace that's right because it's a locket with a picture of her daughter in it it is indeed and that's when they go home they hear the recordings it's it's all going on at 3.07 and then they get a call to say that the mum has just buggered out of the hotel with both of the daughters. She's left with two daughters. Yes, because, uh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Oh, man. And, yeah, this is because of the clearly, the clearly possessed mum. And at the same, yeah, at that time, Judy is attacked in her home, is in the household to the Warren's daughter. Yeah. But it obviously gets back in time to save her. But then the mother, and then we see the mother, Carolyn, taking... Uh, taking Christine and April back to the house of daughters and it's basically all goes to hell from there Ed and Lorraine get there because of um, Roger the dad has told them um, they all reconvene on the house Ed and Lorraine find Carolyn in the cellar she's trying to stab Christine the daughter Mm -hmm. so they you know bundle upon her and for some inexplicable reason the police officer leaves his shotgun by the door they make a point of showing that but they tie Carolyn to the chair yeah. For her own safety and theirs. They tie they cut they put a sheet over her face, they over her body, they tie her to the chair, she's handcuffed to the chair, and Ed basically he's gotta be Father Merrin now. He has to do the exorcism because there's no time. She's gone almost. And the demon is saying, you know, she she's mine now. So they have to do it then. Yeah. And also the uh, the actress, Lily Taylor, she apparently read the exorcist in preparation. For I read that and I thought of you. Just because I know how you love to mention the Exorcist at every opportunity possible. <laughs> I, I was trying not to mention it actually about a film about exorcism, but my favourite film. I don't know if I've told you on that, but um, yeah, why wouldn't you want to read that book? Because it's a stunning book as well. No bias. It's a bloody good book. But yeah, I can I guess I'm surprised actually would read that book though, just because it almost seems like the one you don't want to pour too much inspiration from because. I guess when you think of exorcisms, you think of that film where you don't want to be seen to be aping it too much. But I thought she, what what she did was alright, actually. Yeah, I thought. I, I mean, because to, to be honest, like no, no disrespect to Lily Taylor, she kind of looks a bit demonic anyway. Like she has a kind of brooding look to her. Really angular, spiteful face. I think, where, like you know, and then given the right makeup, she's just terrifying. I mean, no, that, no, yeah, she is. That bit where he where they find her under the floor and he says, Batsiba, oh. and then she turns round and she's got that woman's face. Oh, my God, that scares me so oh. much. There's a bit after that which scares me, which is an image, but while she's tied to the chair, Ed is reading the the, the Roman ritual to whoever it is, the exorcism. He's bashing through that, trying to. Bathsheba, the, well, Carolyn slash 
demon. She's under the um, she's under the sheet, cackling away. Then blood just appears where her face is, which is an awesome looking visual. Yeah. She levitates, turns herself upside down, frees herself from the chair, and one of the other guys has gone to find youngest April, and he annoyingly shouts, "I found her. She's underneath the floorboards or underneath the kitchen or something like that." Of course, Carolyn. Her, she's there to kill that daughter. Yeah. So, so she knows where she is. She's gone scrabbling off, and everyone's thinking, "Fuck, fuck, fuck!" We've got <laughs> to get to her. And it, yeah, this is the moment now where it's some. There's some really, you know, creepy visuals when she's in, when April and Carolyn are in this very small little area underneath the kitchen. It's really creepy. Yeah, I really did that, and that for me, that was the scariest part. Was was seeing the mum completely transformed. Into, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from someone who was smiling about a wardrobe to now vomiting blood and trying to kill her children, and it, it's that—it's that animalistic sort of crawling that she does. It's not like it's not like the ring or something. You know, she's not like Samara. She's not kind of contorting herself or anything. She doesn't look remotely human. And there's a moment where she's being exercised. We've, we've got Ed is reading the Roman ritual to her. Lorraine is trying to, you know. She's shouting her, you know, remember the good times of your kids. Remember that special day at the beach, which meant so much to you, trying to bring her back. And, of course, her husband's there also trying to will the will her, her, his wife back. There's a moment when she just sits there, um, Carolyn, with her eyes closed and her mouth wide open. And it's just a terrifying visual because she's got, like, a pale, cracked face. Mm. And her mouth just looks blood red. And it's a horrendous shot. And I watched it yesterday and it put the willies in me. But it did. It is really scary. It is really scary, scary though. And I think, like, because what I noticed as well was um, the bit, because obviously there's all the pictures and the pictures are the main focus. And she goes, wow, that was some day at the beach, huh? You know? And that, that picture of them at the beach, if you look at all the other pictures, all the other pictures, I actually paused this and was like, I can't believe they've done this. The other pictures are black and white in sepia. That is the only colour photo, and it's right in the centre. So it is like the shining, hopeful, bright, you know, what a lovely day at the beach. All these other pictures are crap in comparison. And then, you know, when it gets to the bit, she's holding her head, she's going, remember that day at the beach? And then all this light floods in. And That's you're it. like, oh, here we go. And that was the only bit that I thought, I can't believe that they've been that blatant about, you know, trying to have visuals and stuff. Because it was obviously, you know, making her see the light, the love of the family. I always have issues when, something's like a cold-hearted bastard, but I always have issues when love is the reason for bringing somebody back. I, mm-hmm. What if you don't love anyone? What if you're like me and you've got no emotions? If I get possessed, what's my anchor? Nothing. End of the world, basically. Armageddon. If there's any demons listening, cover your ears. Don't cover, don't possess Bloggy. Please. <laughs> Please don't. I've had a really shit week. Otherwise, I've got to get on the blower and do this podcast with a, with a demon. And I'm <laughs> not going to be very good at willing it out. <laughs> it could be very interesting. The power of me compels you. It ain't going to work, is it? It's not, it's not there. You'd arrange to do it with me on a particular day and I'd be like, no, I'm busy. <laughs> you turn up on a wrong day anyway. Yeah, I would. I really would. I want to get my hair yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got too much of a unthreatening voice to really pose any, any kind of problems to, the, to this mm. demon. I wouldn't take anything oh, seriously. 
Oh, the power, the power of Christ compels you, mate. Come on. Yeah. Well, I've got things to do. Come on, get out. Come on, leave her alone. Get out of her. <laughs> get out of it. Well, she's had enough. Um. <laughs> yeah. I. Fuck's sake. Shut the gun, demon. Sorry, Willie. I always. Yeah. I don't know what it is about films when they use love as a reason. I think it was. I think it's actually one of the Potter films did that recently. They they use love as a reason as a way of basically getting out of a plot hole. And I think, oh come on. There must have been a better way to end the film than that. I mean, I get why they did it in this instance, but for as good as everything that was that came before, just using that as the reason. Yeah, Ugh. one one memory of them at the beach. I think the demon could probably counteract with all the times that she had to stay up because her kids were fucking sick, and you now that time that her husband came back late and she thought maybe he was cheating on her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the demon could have used anything. What I would have liked, and this sounds awful, and it would have been freaking morbid if they did it i would have had they had her with a big mouth open ah that horrible visual and then have her sort of open her eyes and see to the light and then in one last final thing just like kill the kid anyway and before she comes back to the light to have that kind of really horribly depressing ending where it's almost i don't say realistic because who knows if demons are real but the idea that love this isn't going to just drive this force yeah of yeah it's always kind of like this um kind of like wavering hope that is going to bring you back from something and i'm like well you know come on if if it can kill a dog what how is love going to be you know because everyone loves pancakes but they're not going to save me yeah exactly i mean you know i love a lot of possessed well if someone was possessed and someone said remember those pancakes you made the fat ones with the syrup (laughs) i'm not going to be like Wow, I'm not gonna kill this kid. My like saving moment, she'd like I'd be under the floorboards like ah Vera Famiga'd come down and put a hand on me and she'd go, Remember that subway? Remember the subway <laughs> never forget. It was me fault. Remember Simpsons series four. I know, yeah, those those would be like my saying like remember Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember that massive turd you did when you were so desperate to go. Which Except one? You'd never forget it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I didn't. I didn't. Not that I wanted the daughter to die because I'm not a complete saint. It's not an idiot, but I just think because of the tone of the film that happened, to have something so oh, frivolous be yeah, the kind of like we need to. She's possessed. We need to make her unpossessed. Basically, um, I don't know. Have a have the uh, rainbow and touch her head and tell her about love. That would do it. it doesn't. Mm. Oh, it doesn't really work fully for me. I think if John Lennon did it, then it would be totally different. It would be a totally different experience, but... They could have had Patrick Wilson whip out his guitar and sing All You Need Is Love. Yeah, exactly. Like, it would you have know, gave that, that second film more context. That clip of them all on top of the pops, you know, where John Lennon's kind of sat around and everyone that's competing against the Beatles at the time is singing along, like, All You Need Is Love, and everyone's at their feet. Like, that that could be good. It would have been a different end, didn't it? Dare I say... Even shitter, but <laughs> it could have been. It could have been interesting, but I don't know what it is. It's, I like the ending. Yeah, the ending good. Mm, I guess the more you think about it, I'd wish they had have come up with something slightly different, just ever slow slightly. Yeah, I think there's that. That is that formulaic ending of you know the dawn comes up and everyone's okay. But like, what I'd like to have is like you know the Conjuring Two is the is the revisit of how massively damaged the mother and daughter's relationship is. And maybe sort yeah. of grows up, and she's like, and and then maybe it's more of a psychological thriller because the daughter's really messed up from the fact that her mum was possessed and tried to kill her. 
Because there, there is a bit at the end where she's like, it's okay, baby. And she's like trying to hug this kid. And you're like, oh, <laughs> I don't think you can think the child is going to understand that you were possessed. One quick cuddle when it's all sorted. Yeah. That would have been a good idea. And I will come back to that point very shortly because we're pretty much at the end of this film now. You know, oh, they, they, yeah. everything, like you that's said, the end. They've, ex- that's it. they've exercised the demons. They've had a cuddle. He's hoping the daughter just conveniently forgets. Here's an ice cream. They, um, yeah, this is when Lorraine and Ed go home, and that's when they find out that the Vatican had actually approved it because they left him a voicemail. Yeah. And they've also been sent to Long Island for another inv- another uh, investigation. And Ed puts the music box that you can see Rory in into their kind of macabre little room of uh, little horrors, trinkets and yeah. horror collections they've got where the Annabelle doll is. And basically the movie, uh, basically the end of the film is that opens by itself and just screen cuts to black. That's the movie, and I guess the first thing is, I think we kind of gathered along the way, but it would be folly not to ask, but The Conjuring, what did you think of it as a, like a top level, after we've just spoken about it, what are your thoughts on The Conjuring? So what, on like a level of like, of one to how how scared was I, or just... Well, the blo- in terms of the bloggy chatometer, yeah, one to ten, one being not scared, ten being scared. Oh, I think for a first time viewing, I was a seven. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely, because it, it just it just made me jump. It made me jump in the most in the most wonderful yet horrific way, and it lingered with me. There were bits that that bothered me, you know, into the night where you think, oh Christ, you know. Even talking about it now, I'm quite scared. <laughs> well, I will tell you, there's nothing in there's nothing there behind you. You are safe. How, well, how do you know? Because I'm behind you. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I'm not behind her. <laughs> No, I, I, yeah, I like, I really, really enjoyed this film. I had a real nice throwback. I know it's set in the seventies, but it also feels like a film that could have come from those times because yeah. there's not really any abundance of CGI. They use some very classic horror framings, especially the establishing shots of the house. I think they're superbly done. Yeah. And then there's a lot about it which lends itself to classic horror, and it's a simple. It's a simple film. It relies on what makes horror so great. It doesn't overplay them, and it doesn't become cliched like so many films do or become as the franchises go on so for the conjuring i really enjoyed this and re-watching it last night i'd forgotten how good of a film it was and how effective it is in scaring you and staying with you yeah definitely it's definitely um it's definitely one of those films where like you know if you're a religious person and you watch it you probably it probably changes you (laughs) (laughs) it would warp you forever forever I, don't know, I heard like I can't remember what it was again on IMDb trivia. They said that I can't remember what I think it was like Philippines or something. They had to like bless people as they left the cinema. Wow! Because people felt like they they um they got possessed by watching the movie. That's incredible on many levels, positive and negative. It had some serious hype going for it, man. It was um, but I mean, like what I will say is that watching the trailer for the Nun. Mm-hmm. The uh, you know, like the whole we were saying, like the sweep from the sides thing. There's yes. clearly a lot of that going on in the nun now. He's, I think, the nun will be probably story wise not very good, but in terms of jumps, I'm hoping that he's tuned everything up now and he kind of knows what he's doing. Because it like from the trailer, I think there's a bit where there's someone behind her and then she turns around and she's not there, but she comes from the side. Yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic for The Nun. Uh, it's directed by Corinne Hardy. 
I think James Wan is producing it as he always does. I'm optimistic. I didn't like The Conjuring 2, but I did like The Nun. I liked her in it. Apart from the ending, I thought that was utter pap. But I liked the scenes of The Nun before that. The Conjuring 2, if we ever do it again, I won't go too much into it, but I was a big fan of The Conjuring 2. I think it swayed too much from what made the first one so very good. But I also wasn't a massive fan of Annabelle, but I thought Annabelle creation was pretty damn good. The Nun, who knows? Annabelle 3 has got a very good premise. That was announced today. And The Conjuring 3, that's being made. It's coming out in a year or two's time. So there are more films coming. Annabelle 3 might as well be The Conjuring 3 by the sounds of it, though. Yeah, I can't remember. I think I have seen Annabelle, but I think it was probably that bad that I blocked it from my mind. It wasn't very good. The second one that came out last year, Creation, that was actually pretty damn good. I was surprised by how much I enjoyed that. Annabelle 3 is basically... Annabelle, the, the synopsis came out today. The Annabelle doll is tormenting the daughter of the Warrens and at some point she basically wakes up all of those haunted trinkets in their room and they all come to life, basically. All the powers all, yeah. all, all, all awaken. The force awakens in them all. <laughs> okay. Well, that yeah, that sounds pretty pants. I mean, the... the, the second it sounds like the Warrens works. are going to be in that quite a lot. Oh, Okay. I mean, the second one was kind of like The Conjuring 2. There was that stupid, um, you know, wibbly-wobbly man. What was it? That staggering git. Yeah, yeah. and that was... It just looked stupid. It looked really stupid. It had a CGI kind of, you know... Whereas actually, before all of that, it was quite scary. I thought, you know, yeah, it's just going to go well. And then it just... I thought the Enfield accents were scary. (laughs) They were horrible. They were pretty bad, to be fair. But I didn't. I just thought it took for that film. I it took fast. It took well over an hour before the Warrens actually got to England, let alone before they started anything. And I don't know. I just it. I I think I was quite harsh on the film, in fact, actually. But part of that was because I really enjoyed this first one, and for me, it did what it needed to do. It was simple. It's terrifying. And it left an impression. I mean, I could see why they would do more films afterwards, but mm-hmm. I just think The Conjuring Two was I think I called it a horror movie for the modern times because they changed so much and it was a massive disappointment for the modern times because it could have been so good and even even with the premise that you gave was a lot better than what we got and I don't mean that disparagingly no I mean because well, th- I think the thing with The Conjuring 2 as well is that it's based on a very very famous paranormal hoax yes. it's not that was disproved you know Time, time and time over. It was only I think it, the Warrens are the only people that believe that it happened, which doesn't help their credibility. Which doesn't really. help their credibility at all. I mean, like, you know, come on. It they they. I even remember reading books about it when I was a kid. You know, like reading ghost story books, and there'd be pictures of that girl leaping off the bed, and you could see she was jumping. She wasn't being thrown. It's a good picture though. But a good there was jump. a there was a three part. TV series on Sky One, I think, which is I think it was just called The Enfield Haunting with um, Timothy Spool, I want to say was in it, and that was bloody good. And I think that's actually that uh, that actually dealt with the story better, I think. So mm. when a Sky One three parter beats you, then you have a bit of an issue. But um, I'm interested to see what The Conjuring Three does. I'm sure, it's not going to sway too much from the from the formula. Mm. I can't remember what case they were meant to be looking into, but. Hopefully they hopefully they return to the aesthetic which made this one so successful because clearly a lot of people went to see it and you mentioned the hype. I remember when this came out, it got it got that sort of cliche tag, the scariest film we'll ever see. But it 
it in terms of recent years, yeah, yeah, in terms of recent years, so many films have got that tag and have been undeserving. And I'm not the Conjuring isn't the scariest film I've ever seen. It's t- it scared the shit out of me at points. Yeah, and I can see why people would watch it at a festival or whatever and come out saying, you know, this is terrifying. Yeah, I mean, I think for me as well, it's just, it is that lingering. It's the it's the lingering sense of 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 unease that it gets. It's the imagery more than anything. You know, acting shots, whatever yeah. music, don't care. It's it's the images that it puts into your head. Yeah, and it it is it's like you say you've you're 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 frightened to turn around. Now I watched it last night and went for a uh, a full of trepidation. Went for a late night toilet trip, and I was you know I'm looking in the room thinking that. Uh, Thinking, Christ, is there anything? Is someone going to jump out from the toilet or something? Yeah, and it does. It does, it does that to do you. That. And I think yeah, that's yeah. a sign of a good horror film where it can affect you, even if you know it's not real. I don't need to explain that to the viewers; it ain't real. But you know that. But it's still, you know, it's still something in the back of your mind, thinking there might be something in in the front room staring at me. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And that's it. And that and it delivered. So I think The Conjuring is pretty good. Awesome. Well, I. I'm on you. I'm um, I'm I'm blogified. I'm with you on that one. <laughs> Last month we did Halloween. This is something which I think is going to be a recurring thing. So Halloween, we both enjoyed it, and it had it had its pros and cons and blah blah blah. So we've done Halloween. We've done the Conjuring in the Death by Pod League table. Where would you rank the two of them so far? Um, uh, that's difficult because Hall- obviously Halloween, I respect it, but I don't think it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. No, no, it does. No, but no, I respect what it did for the for the movement at the time, but it hasn't aged well. Whereas I think The Conjuring has aged well, so I think The Conjuring takes over Halloween. Yep, I, I'm going to put it as number one for now out of two. Yep. Pretty much. I mean, we've had forty years to stew on Halloween, and if in thirty five years we can get together and stew over The Conjuring, I'd like to think that it still holds up holds up because there's not really much that can be dated about it i think because it's already set in the 70s anyway yeah but no, i think i think it's executed better it works well as a works better as a horror film i think so i'm going to put it for, for again yeah for everything that halloween has done if i'm going to ignore that and just treat it as a film if i'd watched both of them on the same day without knowing any of the hype or anything about it i'm putting the conjuring above it so so far too in the second episode though both of us have Put the conjuring number one. That's not to wheel over Halloween, but you know, it's just what it's just what we believe. Well, if you're watching Halloween and you don't know anything about slasher films, then it's probably quite a shit movie, to be honest. And I think that's how <laughs> you know, just because it's old, it doesn't mean it's good. Yeah, but that's right. Yeah, just um, on the flip side, just because it's old doesn't mean it's bad. But in this case, it wasn't a bad film. But yeah, the like you mentioned, the conjuring just holds up better. And I know techniques are going to come on in forty years, so that's. Maybe, maybe not should be used as a pro or con, but this film just did look really good. Yeah. Yeah, and it sounded good. It looked as well acted. I thought Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga have that very rare thing called on screen chemistry. I think they're so good together. Yeah, they are really good together. They should be together. Um, That's how good they I'm are. annoyed that they're not. Yeah, I am as well, actually. I think we should ship them. We should. We should get them together. Yeah, we'll get we'll, we'll get them on the show, and we'll basically just try to send th- pheromones to them. Pretty much, yeah. What's well, so kind of like a snakes on a plane thing? <laughs> get this motherfucking Vera with this from Patrick. Yes, right. Yeah, I've had it with this motherfucking Vera, not with this motherfucking <laughs> Patrick. Yeah, and that's all it needs, you know. Sometimes he's got to be blunt, like Ryan Gosling. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. And if you add a little bit of Samuel L in there, <laughs> maybe he, he could be the priest. He could be the one that sort of like does the marriage slash exorcism. It would certainly make for a decent exorcism. Say, have I Jackson do it doing again. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Excellent. To the wife and husband of Vera and Patrick, we do apologise. Yeah, but we don't. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but we've got our own dreams and aspirations and we want to see them together. Yeah, pretty much. So, get lost. Okay, Conjuring. That is pretty, that pretty much draws to the end of, of this second episode, I believe. We've both given it the, the thumbs up. We've both given our kind of opinions on what came afterwards and what's going to come soon. When The Nun comes out, I'm pretty sure we can get together and do a, a one-shot type thing where we could discuss that and shortly after the film comes out if uh if you're into all that oh uh, yep awesome so uh, uh we will be there and make sure none of you miss it oh <laughs> good it took you it took you longer than i'd hoped it then, did it, it did actually i'm sorry i'm sorry that's all right it's just you know sometimes humor can go with people's heads you know proper humor so but yeah that um that brings to an end this second episode of death by pod uh it's been a it's been a blast as ever I've enjoyed it. It's been good going back to watch these next two films. And I think we're going to find out what the next one is pretty soon. And that will all be revealed in next month's episode. But in the meantime, yeah, thank you so much for giving your time and coming on once more, Blocky. No worries. Thanks for having me. I look forward to this day every month. <laughs> yeah. That's almost, you almost sounded sarcastic. <laughs> no, I'm not sarcastic. Oh, I was being honest as well. No, oh, where you are. Okay. Yeah, but no, me too. Yeah, thanks, you liar. Um, <laughs> in, the, in the meantime, if anybody wants to check out this liar, where can they find you online? Where can they find me online? You can find me at Bloggy Balboa, and that's it. Just that one thing. Just find that Bloggy Balboa. There's an awesome blog that came out today. Check it out. It ties in with what we're talking about today, kind of. So do check it out. Uh, it's very well written, and you'll find yourself looking out for these particular things next time you watch these certain types of films. Indeed, we do, do we? She's not just a funny girl can do good accent. She's a top lass and she's a good writer as well. Um, <laughs> if you want to find me online, and why wouldn't you? You can find me at what I watch tonight.co.uk. There's blogs, podcasts, movie moments, reviews, lots of stuff on there. Uh, if you want to go onto Twitter and Instagram, you'll find me at what I watch tonight. Just search for that handle and you'll find, again, the podcasts on there and movie reviews and just general musings as well, just sometimes. But yeah, if you're listening to this podcast, and let's face it, you are because you can hear me now. It'll either be on iTunes, Spotify, Podknife, TuneIn, Stitcher. Anywhere you can find a podcast, we are on there. So keep checking back every month for more Death by Pod. And if you know anybody out there who likes horror films, tell them about this show. Let them know that there's a show out there for people like them, by people like them. People who don't sit there and fawn, we tell it how it is. Sometimes you may not enjoy the language blogger uses, <laughs> but we tell it how it is. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Absolutely, I really no problem sorry. whatsoever. He's <laughs> <laughs> fucking brilliant. That is no problem whatsoever. But no, if you don't like it, just don't tell anyone. It doesn't do anyone any favours, does it? So, but anyway, in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. From me, it's goodbye. And from Bloggy, it's goodbye. Copycat. <laughs>